I start most of my my shows with all right. Sandy says she <laughs> she does as well. That's funny. But anyways, yeah, the specials in the background. Not anything like the music I'm about to lay on you here. We've been spending some time. Here I'll take that down a notch. While they're sing-songing. Yeah, we've been uh, traveling around the country listening to mid-60s rock and roll, mid to late 60s, and um, was up in the Pacific Northwest with the Louie Louie Bang and uh, moved down the coast into the sun- onto the Sunset Strip in Los Angeles, hung out there for a, a few weeks, and then uh, we went down to Texas and uh, hung out there for a few weeks, and that was a nice time with Rocky Erickson and the 13th Floor Elevators, and... Uh, now moving back up to California, <laughs> which we uh, have been at the last couple of weeks. Or no, last week. I think that was the first week for San Francisco in the Bay Area. And that's where we reside today, Ghost Town on the Road. We've gone mobile. But yeah, I've got a whole slew of songs to bring at you. Um, the theme in the middle of the show is going to be the Summer of Love, but it's going to be a lot of 67 through 69 rock and roll but hey whatever years are years i'm gonna bring it to you now with butch angle and the sticks here's a song these guys are out of the bay area hey i'm lost is gonna be our show starter right now all right hang with me for a couple hours i'm creepy steve you're in ghost town this is radio free nashville wrfn lp pasquo as i said butch angle and the sticks coming at you right now
All right, that was Public Nuisance with their tune, America. These guys were formed in Sacramento. They were active between 64 and 70 and first called themselves Moss and the Rocks. And uh, they opened for a lot of the uh, California bands, The Doors, The Dead, um, Buffalo Springfield. Yep, they were around that time. And uh, that was some good stuff right there. Good band. Um, Also in there from 68, you heard the song I Love You. That was a... Written by Zombies bassist Chris White and the band The Zombies made it very popular, but also uh, the band People with an exclamation made it popular. And that was the tune you heard there by People. I Love You from 68. And that was uh, one hit wonder for that band from San Jose, California. And kicking off the, the set and the show, Butch Angle and the Sticks from Mill Valley, California. Hey, I'm Lost was the track from 67. And those guys ended up breaking up the following year. All right, it's country weather coming to ya. Is that what you're experiencing now where you're at, country weather? I don't know. This is country winter going on in Nashville. But uh, can't complain too much. The roads are clear. We're able to get around safely. So all good stuff. Actually, I was able to move this weekend with the help of some very good friends. It was our worst weather day of the uh, season. But uh, we made it happen. That was Friday night. Good stuff. I'm all... All packed or all uh, moved into the new place. Very excited about that. All right, country weather coming at you. Fly to New York. I'm Creepy Steve. You're in Ghost Town. I could fly to New
Good set, good set. Hearts to Cry was the name of that one from 1968. And the name of the band is Frumius Bandersnatch, named after the character from the Lewis Carroll poem Jabberwocky. These guys are from San Francisco and were active uh, from 1967 to 1969. And uh, I, they apparently didn't hit so heavy on the scene, but I've been listening to a lot of their stuff online, and they've got some real heady... Heady music, really great stuff. Frumius Bandersnatch from San Francisco, late 60s in there for you. Also, Thing in E, the 1968 release on Mercury Records. That was the band Savage, Savage Resurrection, and they're also from San Francisco. And these guys apparently were the youngest band in the Bay Area. The lead guitarist was 16 years old. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> basically, you know, trying to toggle between high school and the uh, counterculture. <laughs> How about that? And their, their stuff's pretty sick. They've got a lot of great. Great uh, recordings in there. Well, I shouldn't say a lot. They've got a few solid ones. They were only together for a short period of time, but uh, they uh, they definitely played a lot of shows, and there's some live stuff out there that you can uh, pick up online. Pretty great. Um, also in there, uh, another young band from the San Francisco Bay Area. They're called Country Weather. That track was Fly to New York. Uh, they originally were called The Virtues, and also high school kids from San Francisco. Um, they were active... Um, in the late 60s, and uh, they never actually had a record deal, but they released a five-song demo in 1969, which earned them some uh, place, some placement in uh, venues around the area. They were sharing the bill with some pretty awesome bands, and uh, I guess they were encouraged to change their name to Country Weather from the Virtues by uh, Avalon operator Chet Helms. He thought it might have a better impact for what they were trying to do. But yeah, pretty cool. Some young kids making it in at these really legendary uh, venues. The Fillmore, the Avalon, the Carousel. Pretty cool. I've got the charlatans on the way. You're in Ghost Town just after this message here. It was the largest migration of young people in the history of America. From every direction they came from the biggest cities and from the smallest towns, all bound for San Francisco in the summer of 1967. 100,000 is a minimum estimate of what's happening. Uh, I think it's be a, a major historical event for this country. We are trying to do what no one else has ever done before in this culture, and that is to find a new way for humanity. Minds are up for grabs. It's up for grabs. Civilization's up for grabs. I think everybody knows it.
Look up yonder in the sky now What is that I pray? It's a bird, it's a plane, it's a man insane It's my president, LBJ He's flying high, we're up in the sky Just like Superman But I have got a little piece of kryptonite Yes, I'll bring it back to land Said, come out, lend it with your hands held high Drop your guns, baby, and reach for the sky I've got you surrounded and you ain't got a chance Send you back to Texas, make you work on your ranch, yeah Yeah
That's uh, Jerry Miller there on lead guitar. Moby Grape out of the Bay Area. They released their self-titled debut in 1967. Indifference was the track you heard off of that record. And also in there, Country Joe and the Fish off of their 67 debut. Electric Music for the Mind and Body. Superbird was the song. And uh, kicking off that set there, as we're getting into the Summer of Love, was the Charlatans and their uh, version of the uh, Lead Belly version of Alabama Bound. And uh, that was the Charlatans. Uh, They were very instrumental around the San Francisco scene in the mid and late 60s, but their uh, self-titled record was not released until 1969. But they were very active at the, uh, the clubs and venues, for sure. And the acid tests. All right, I'm going to get into some more Moby Grape for you. I've got one more track after this quick message here from the American Experience Summer of Love documentary. You're in Ghost Town. January 14, 1967. Golden Gate Park in San Francisco. Never before had America witnessed such an unusual gathering. There was no lineup of big stars swelling the crowd. No tickets were sold. No political candidates spoke. It was simply a coming together. They called it a gathering of the tribes, a human being. There were like 20,000 people, and it was this gloriously beautiful day, as you can only have in certain times in San Francisco. Sun was shining. People were wonderful. You know, it was like, my God, look at how many there are of us. To most of the country, the Bee-In must have seemed like a world turned upside down. A Harvard professor exhorted the crowd to reject the traditional path to success. Turn on, tune in, drop out. I mean drop out of high school, drop out of college, drop out of graduate school. Hindu chanting melded with motorcycles and rock music. It was such an exciting, heady time to find out that under the official reality, there was this seething turmoil of young people learning new music, new thoughts, new ideas, new literature, new poetry, new ways of being.
1966, San Francisco-based poet David Meltzer and his wife Tina, who was a singer, recruited a bunch of local musicians, and uh, they formed what was to become the band The Serpent Power, and they signed the Vanguard Records, and that was uh, from their debut release, Up and Down, The Serpent Power there from the Bay Area 
Also from 67, you had a second track there that I squeezed in from Moby Grape. And that was Omaha. Yes, from 67. Two tracks from 67 from the Moby Grape. You heard Indifference previously. All right, I'm going to take a quick break here with some messaging from the, the station here, WRFN. Thanks for listening. You're in Ghost Town with Creepy Steve. I've got the Grateful Dead on deck. Stay tuned. You're listening to 107.1 FM and 103.7 FM, WRFN, Radio Free Nashville. You can't buy a best friend. You can love them, walk them, pet them, and care for them, whether they want you to or not. You can take a picture or 50. You can fly to the moon, travel the world, or just stay in bed. You can't buy a best friend like that but you can adopt one. There are millions of pets waiting for a best friend just like you. Help us save them all at bestfriends.org. Hi folks, Matt the Prod Man here, your host of RFN Weekend. It's your weekly mix of classics, easy favorites, and that hot stereo rock. The stuff you know you love, but don't want to admit it at least straight off, right? Be sure to catch us Sunday afternoons, 2 p.m. Central at 1037 FM, 107.1 FM, Radio The aggressive determination of hippies to start a new society has made its mark upon San Francisco's Haight-Ashbury. Part of the neighborhood is occupied by ordinary people, bewildered by what's going on. Part of it is occupied by a growing population of hippies. There are a lot of for sale signs in Haight-Ashbury. There are a lot more houses being occupied by hippies. The hippies are capable of extremely hard work, even though they tend to approach work as the rest of us do sport. Some of them are very successful. This is the house of a popular local band which plays hard rock music. They call themselves the Grateful Dead. They live together comfortably in what could be called affluence. There are many other similar houses or apartments in Haight-Ashbury maintained by hippies who work in places where employers do not mind bizarre dress or long hair. Their concept of a new style of life unites them, and that concept is, in most cases, drawn from the drug experience. The Grateful Dead themselves acknowledge they have used LSD. Warren Wallace asked them what they thought the hippie movement was trying to accomplish. Uh, what, what we're thinking about is a peaceful planet. We're not thinking about anything else. We're not thinking about any kind of power. We're not thinking about any of those kind of struggles. We're not thinking about revolution or war or any of that. That's not what we want. Nobody wants to get hurt. Nobody wants to hurt anybody. We would all like to be able to live an uncluttered life, a simple life, a good life, you know, and like think about moving the whole human race ahead a step or a few steps. <clears throat> And, uh, yeah, or a half a step, or anything. So at least not more positive. At least not going around in circles like it is now.
Do you think that your movement or your idea, the hip idea, is essentially connected up with drugs? Yeah, I would say that, that that's uh, a, a large part of the framework. I think that most of the people who are hippies now came to it through drugs. Yeah, but it's not a dope movement. We're not trying to We're not spread pushing dope. dope. We, I think, for personally, that uh, the more people turn on, the better world it's going to be. We were but, talking uh, before about a way of being, and, yeah. and, and one of the ways of, of achieving that being is through through uh, drugs through expanding your uh, consciousness consciousness changing yourself but like well, most of us have given up uh, the psychedelic drugs anyway uh, yeah right well we've learned something from them and now we're kind of playing around with that knowledge and what have you learned well it's you can you can point out the example that the people that live in the community and uh, you know play around with dope and stuff like that they don't have wars you know and uh, they don't have a lot of problems that the, uh, the larger society has. Uh, in, in essence, in the scene has grown up with us. And we have grown up with the scene. Uh, we've all grown up together. And uh, uh, we feel more like children than ever. Right. Because uh, we know what we're trying to do. We're trying to grow up. <laughs> <laughs>
Right there from 1967, their self-titled debut record, Grateful Dead, Cream Puff 4 there. You heard a few songs there off their debut, The Dead there, and some interview clips from uh, 1967. Um, quite comical at points and uh, also, you know, very fascinating, very interesting, a nice piece of history. Uh, all this is really the Summer of Love, San Francisco, just that's what I'm featuring right now. It's a collection of uh, bands that were just in that area in, the, in that time, mid-60s, mid to late-60s, and, uh, you know, just where there were a lot of things going on in culture and society. I won't go into it now, but I'll have some more uh, interview clips on the way to kind of explain that a little bit more. Uh, but I'm going to get right back to the music. Well, I'll, I'll let you know what you heard. You heard uh, also Cream Puff 4, also uh, Viola Lee Blues. Just, an, uh, you know, quite the staple of their uh, their early performances, for sure. And The Golden Road to Unlimited Devotion. Three solid tracks, early tracks from The Grateful Dead. And we've got uh, several more of their counterparts coming at you in the near future. Um Big Brother and the Holding Company, Salvation, Jefferson Airplane, all to come. And we've got Quicksilver on deck here in Ghost Town. Dino's song, song uh, if I can pronounce it properly. <laughs> this is off of their debut release, Quicksilver Messenger Service. You're in Ghost Town. I'm Creepy Steve. <laughs> Oh, 
Salvation, and they were originally called New Salvation Army Band, and they were made to change it uh, legally by the Salvation Army Church Organization. But yeah, they were from San Francisco, and they performed uh, uh, mostly at the, uh, mainly at the Roaring Twenties Topless Club in North Beach, and also at shows in Golden Gate Park and at the Haight-Ashbury Communal Venue called the Straight Theater. And uh, it says on these notes here, a notable early show for them was July 11th through 16th. 1967 opening for the Paul Butterfield Blues Band and the Roland, the uh, excuse me, the Roland Kirk Quartet at the Fillmore Auditorium, and it was in '68 they changed their name and released the debut album of the same name, Salvation. '68 there for you, San Francisco rock and uh, Big Brother and the Holding Company in there. Such a sweet debut single for that band featuring Janis Joplin on lead vocals. That was from 1967, Down on Me. And kicking off that set, Dino's song, and uh, that was written, of course, by, of course, not of course, I'm telling you now, it was written by Dino Valenti, uh, the vocalist and uh, main lyricist, or main, well, main songwriter for Quicksilver Messenger Service. Yes, yes, a great set. I'm going to give you some airplane right now, Jefferson Airplane coming at you. You're hanging with me, Creepy Steve, in Ghost Town. We're in San Francisco on the road. Ghost Town on the Road, mobile, in uh, the mid to late 60s. And now we're going to feature uh, a band that was very heavy on the scene and one of the first to uh, actually hit on a national and eventually international level um, with their album Surrealistic Pillow coming at you. It's Jefferson Airplane after this quick message from the band. Frisco was a unique paradise at one time. Wherever we went, we were always happy to come back here. It was like the fairyland where all this music was happening, the ballrooms, the scene, you know, posters, the light shows, the, you know, everything was happening here. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, freedom, art, literature, poetry, hate street. I mean, it was just heaven on earth. In the early days, the band hated to go out of town because San Francisco was the center of the universe as far as we were concerned. And why go someplace else? The really great moment was the summer before the summer of love, because that's when everything coalesced. There really was, I believe, a spiritual quest going on at the time uh, that most people believed in. We were young musicians and searching, and, and the people who were artists, whether they drew posters or wrote poetry, the community would all sort of go into each other's scene. Uh, on any given night. The uh, Fillmore and the Avalon and Carousel were three uh, operations in San Francisco that had dances with uh, usually four or five of the bands playing. In other words, you'd get 
um, Big Brother and the Holding Company with Janice, and you'd get Grateful Dead and Quicksilver and Airplane all playing on the same night. A good band was an extra. That's nice, but it wasn't vital <laughs> to the fact that you went to the Fillmore. You didn't go to, just to see a band and be a fan. The Fillmore provided a whole lifestyle. The Fillmore and Avalon were these huge, old dance halls with all the lights. There's a lot of energy there. Got contact high, just walking in. Everybody seemed friendly, you know? Everybody seemed to be friends. Everybody seemed to know each other. And it was a neat environment. I remember playing, and Grace and Paul and I, we all had a bag full of uh, LSD, you know, and we're just throwing it out to the audience like M&Ms, you know, while we're singing. Drugs and the scene. The most positive effect 
it had was to bring the audience and the listener into the music and perhaps vice versa so that you had an environment that everybody felt they were part of all these people were like just dancing and holding hands in big circles of 20 people and it was really wild and it was kind of like a fring of emotions there was nothing comparable to it anywhere in the United States going on like that at the time and, and it occurred here in some respects even though this wasn't where it all began this is where it all began before the film became the film that we know it as I saw a show with it was it was all black music I saw Bobby Blue Bland and BB King here and then then Bill Graham took it over and did his thing but I mean this this is the mother of all venues as far as I'm concerned in many respects even, even though it's certainly not the, the largest you know it's just it sounds great uh, the vibe is incredible somebody once said that there was one period maybe for about a week in 1966 where anything you wished would come true <laughs> like you know wish upon a star kind of stuff and sure enough it did album with us and Signe wanted to raise her child and was concerned about the life she would lead I believe with a with a band on the road 
There were only two other girls singing, you know, in town. One was Grace, one was Janice, you know. And we had a meeting about it, and I said, you know, I can't see Janice, you know, doing our thing. Grace, I said, you know, is a good singer, but she's got her own band, and it's a hit band, you know. So Jack said, well, hey, it won't hurt to ask, you know. Jack left that afternoon, and that night, Grace left her band and joined our band, just like that. First time I saw Grace play, I was entranced by just the strength of her delivery. And I forget that she's a woman or anything. Uh, had nothing to do with sex, really. All of that, of course, always is an undercurrent. But just the power and the strength of, of her on stage was amazing. She just brought a strength, a really commanding strength and presence and focus. Nobody had two singers like Marty Ballin and Grace Sloan. Nobody had two singers like that in any band, anywhere. We had this wild, intense chemistry between us, you know. I mean, most people thought we were married or something or were having a great affair, you know. But uh, it was just on stage, you know. We could play together really well. And she came into the band and wanted to be in, in the band, knew we were a good band, and brought stuff with her that was worthwhile. Well, the two songs that uh, came over from Great Society to Airplane, um, one of them was written by Darby Slick, and that's Somebody to Love, and the other one was written by me, and that's White Rabbit. And uh, they were performed differently in the sense that uh, the players, God bless them, in uh, Great Society were not as good as Airplane. Not as, uh, they hadn't been at it as long professionally. Jack and Norman had been playing since high school. The drummer, Spencer Dryden, was professional drummer. So it was a better band in the uh, ability to just play the instrument. So it gets fuller in a number of different senses when you bring that from a garage band to a relatively professional outfit. The RCA didn't even put out Somebody to Love or White Rabbit as the first single off Surrealistic Bill. Uh, I think radio itself pulled Somebody to Love out of the air and started playing it, thank God. And it took its own strength and path after that. Through the rivers 
Uh, wrapping up quite the psyched out set there. Jefferson Airplane coming at you. They released their album, Surrealistic Pillow, in uh, February of 1967. And uh, then they uh, were one of the featured performers at the... Uh, the uh, hoo, huh. I just moved this weekend, people. I'm sorry. I'm really powering through fatigue. <laughs> I'll quit complaining, though. But in June of 1967... The Monterey Pop Festival was held and uh, really catapulted um, some of the San Francisco bands uh, into the spotlight, the national spotlight. And uh, Jefferson Airplane, though they had released their album at that point, um, that live performance was an extra push for them. Uh, other featured performers like Big Brother, Grateful Dead, um, you know, they it was a, it was a nice opportunity for them to be to get some national exposure as well. Uh, Big Brother and in, uh, in particular was one that benefited from that that festival uh, but yes yeah, several tracks from the jefferson airplane there after bathing at baxter baxter's their next release um you heard the ballad of yumi and punil last blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and uh, also from surrealistic pillow you heard white rabbit and she has funny cars some fantastic rhythm work there um yeah i like the jefferson airplane quite Quite a bit. I also forgot to mention earlier when I was listing off the songs in an earlier set, um, I skipped over their track that I played. Um, I say they, I'm talking about uh, Grace Slick's uh, first band, The Great Society, in which she played with her husband, Jerry Slick, and his brother, Darby. Um, they were active 65 to 66. And then, uh, yeah, Signe, the first uh, vocalist for Jefferson Airplane, as you heard in an earlier. Uh, interview clip she left to be a family man family person family man family ma'am and uh a mom and a wife and uh, did not want to do the uh, touring game and uh airplane in need of a vocalist went and grabbed grace from her band she thought they were better musicians so she went with it all right gonna move on here let's see who do we got on deck oh yeah an early b-side single from steve miller band from 1968 roll with it Creepy Steve, you're in Ghost Town.
This turmoil of young people was, in part, due to sheer numbers. Never before had so many Americans been under 25. There were over 90 million of them, nearly half the population. And many were disillusioned with the world around them. The president many had found inspiring had been assassinated barely three years earlier. War in Vietnam was killing a hundred American soldiers every week. Month after month, dozens of young men were being drafted into the army. And the struggle for civil rights at home had grown increasingly militant. Those gathered in the park that sunny January day sought a different world. It would be a world where people live gently on the planet without the sense that they have to exploit nature or make war upon nature and find basic security. A simpler way of life, less urban, less consumption-oriented, uh, much more concerned about spiritual values, about companionship, friendship, community, sharing ideas, values, insights. A world in which that was considered more important than the gross domestic product. It's a long old train that my babe all she put me on. I'm a million miles from nowhere and I don't know how long I've been gone. I count so many ties, baby, up and down this track. My mind's a blowing cold, sun is turning black. I've forgotten where I've been, I don't believe that I'm ever going back. The blue sky, it is dripping into a sea of molten lead. My baby at the station, I remember what she said. There's gonna be a tomorrow, Daddy. Please don't lose your head.
Why did you put me on Notes from the Underground? That's a band from San Francisco, active from 65 to 69. Yes, yes. And you've been hearing some clips from American Experience, the Summer of Love documentary as well. Those clips on the uh, the scene in San Francisco and all the hippies moving in and all that good stuff. And also the Steve Miller band in there, an early B-side. Roll with it, featuring Boz Skaggs. All right, it's time for RFN Weekend. We got Matt the Proud Man lined up. I'm Creepy Steve. I'll see you next week with some more San Francisco rock. Ghost Town, baby. Thanks for visiting.